from the dark web to your radio dial, you are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, and I'm here with Jim Persbach from Port San Antonio. This week, we'll be discussing San Antonio, history of cybersecurity here, what's going on out at Port San Antonio, and in the second half of the program, We'll dive into the skills gap as you look at uh, going from an enlisted role out to the private sector or if you're a civilian and you'd like to be eligible to work for some of those government contracts. What do you need to do and how do you get yourself ready to start a new career in 2017? Hopefully everyone's survived uh, Black Friday and uh, not too uh, terrible out there at the malls or online as you're ordering on the uh, Cyber Monday afterwards. Uh, and uh, looking forward to a good holiday season. Well, thank you for uh, joining us this week, Jim. And can you share a little of your background, uh, how you got involved in Port San Antonio, and uh, what's going on with cybersecurity here? Oh, sure, absolutely can. Thank you for having me, Brett. It's really fantastic to be here. Uh, Not much to tell about me. Uh, I am a lawyer by training. spent about 18 years working for the aerospace and defense industry. Wound up doing an awful lot of work with folks down at Port San Antonio and very impressed with the mission down there, very impressed with what's going on and the opportunity to bring some great jobs to San Antonio, and decided about two years ago I wanted to be a part of that when our new CEO, Roland Maurer, came on board. So Port San Antonio, you're, you're not on a body of water. Um, there's, there's no shipping dock or anything else there. Where, where did the name for Port San Antonio come about? The name came about because about 10 years ago, inland ports were all the rage. And there was a vision that we could be the next cargo hub for South Central Texas. And it's something, candidly, there is a Port San Antonio down in Chile. I remember about a year ago, I was in Miami at an aviation conference, and some folks came up to compliment me on my English. Yes, so... uh not not in Chile, not that Port San Antonio. That's this right. is this is one here. And y'all are uh, over by the Kelly Air Force Base on the west side of San Antonio, correct? We, we are. We're actually the old Kelly Air Force Base. Most of the old Kelly Air Force Base was realigned and became Greater Kelly Development Associ- uh, Authority and then became Port San Antonio. So um, this all started, I guess, 10 years ago, you, you said, and uh, first was an inland shipping hub, but now it's it's not an inland shipping hub. It's about cybersecurity? Well, it, it's about cybersecurity. It's about technology. We, the Air Force Base started in 1916. 1917 is when it actually opened for business, and it rapidly became the maintenance and sustainment hub for the Air Force. And for about 80 years, that's what we did here. At the same time, I think it was 1953, the Electronic Security Command moved from Maryland to San Antonio and then came to Port San Antonio. So off to the side and somewhat secretly, there was also an awful lot of cybersecurity and crypto work that was being done. When Greater Kelly became the private entity, when we looked to figure out where are the jobs going to be, it seems like the easiest way to get those jobs is to play to the strengths of San Antonio. And we see two strengths. We see the strength in advanced technology that comes out of the aviation industry, and that ties right in with the crypto and cyber. 
So uh, out there at the, the base uh, on that side of town now, there's the 24th Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those listening that have not heard about that, Jim, can you help explain what the, the mission is for that division inside the enlisted military today? Well, I, I can tell you what I know, and obviously being a classified operation, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. As I understand it, they both do offensive and defensive cyber and protection of the United States. Yeah. So we have um, a very large enlisted uh, military practice here. And then uh, you have now private sector companies in the port that work both with the 24th Air Force and independently of that. That's absolutely correct. Over the past, we've got about six companies that identify themselves down at Port San Antonio. There's more than that, but a lot of them try and keep some very low cover. But we've got four of those companies just came on in the past year. And what we're seeing is that there is great attention being paid to the cyber efforts and the crypto efforts across the government. The funding is the highest that it's ever been, and the focus on that as being an area for future protection and, frankly, future warfare is greater than it's ever been. Yeah, this is uh, through this election cycle and through the, all of the things that have happened over the course of 2016, this has been a, a hot uh, topic about the future of warfare moving from physical weapons to digital weapons and moving from building missiles and bombs to building these zero-day cyber attacks. And mm-hmm. and those are the, the new next generation of the weapon. And that's the, the some of the things that, I guess, as a non-classified outsiders, as we're sitting here as civilians, we can kind of speculate they're working on over there. They don't go in, as you said, to too much details on uh, what's really behind the scenes uh, on the mission there. So with uh, this, you have uh, companies building um, products. Um, you have companies doing a service. Um, this is uh, not something that's all just related to um, serving either government contracts or uh, working um, as an extension to those staff. So um, with the uh, cybersecurity activities out there, uh, how is how is this tying back into the commercial sector in San Antonio or nationwide? Well, that, that's really a great question. That's one of the things that excites us so much. The strength, the workforce strength, the base of talent that we have in San Antonio comes out of our long history of doing the government work. But in terms of commercializing that, in terms of finding new opportunities, well, we hear time and time again, and we talk to the cyber companies on our property and to the cyber companies that we're trying to bring here to San Antonio, is they want to get outside of that government echo chamber. They want to find ways to commercialize this. They want to find new markets. And that's where San Antonio, and particularly Port San Antonio, really offer some opportunities. We've got a major aviation play, and airplanes today are just flying data centers. We've got connections with the financial industry. We've got connections with the health industry. And finding ways to bring that cybersecurity, those best practices, is something that we think is going to be very attractive for San Antonio going forward. So you said that uh, airplanes are flying data centers these mm-hmm. days. So uh, how, uh, uh, I guess this is an interesting one for me, how does that work and tie tie back into um, getting, the I guess, is aeronautics mm-hmm. engineering firms working together with computer technology firms? Well, well this is something, and, and a lot of my background, 18 years of that, was really tied into the aviation world. And aviation is a fascinating, fascinating industry. At one hand, it is as cutting edge as anything can possibly be. On the other hand, we keep reaching back to 1920 and we don't let go. The FAA exam for mechanics still talks about canvas-covered aircraft. The pilot's exam 
still expects you to treat if that aircraft was being flown with a sextant. The technology in those airplanes is more and more connection. You look at what happened with Malaysian 370, and the question is, why do we not know where that airplane is? How can we not be tracking that airplane? The same question's being asked on the data side. You know, traditionally, just like your car, you'd bring an airplane in for maintenance at a fixed schedule, whether the airplane need the maintenance or not. So now they're bringing big data to that, and they're trying to figure out when should we bring that in? How can we maximize the efficiency of this? And then, frankly, when you have an airplane that requires 300,000 man hours of work, which are those big wide-body heavies require to get them maintained and get them back into service, and the airplane is 200 feet long and 200 feet wide, anything that you can do to minimize the time that people spend walking around, well, bringing in iPads, bringing in tablets, and allowing folks to work remotely has opened up opportunities to make this much more efficient. At the same time, and as you folks know this because you're in the cyber world, Every time you bring that connectivity in, every time you have the good guys have the opportunity to connect with an airplane or an engine, you're opening up a door where the bad guys can get in. And all it takes now is somebody to tell that airplane it's a thousand feet away from where it thinks it is. Tell that engine it's at a different altitude or it's at a different setting than it needs to be. And so protecting it. You look at Wi-Fi. I had the opportunity to fly on an airline here this summer that is rolling out a new Wi-Fi system on their airplanes that is true broadband experience. Even if everybody on board that airplane gets on, it's a broadband experience. Well, as you do that, the question is, how are you securing that entertainment system of the airplane from the avionics system, from the maintenance system? Those firewalls, do we separate them and how can we separate them if that airplane is sending back signals every time? And that's something where we're really, really excited about this potential in San Antonio. I spend a lot of time going to the Code Up demo days. And it's fascinating because you look at that and you see these young people. I call them young people because I'm not young anymore. But you see these young people coming up with ways to use the Internet and use JavaScript for things that, frankly, I wish I had when I was 20, 30 years younger. But I see that as an opportunity to commercialize that beyond the consumer-facing. I think we've gone about as far as we can with IT impacting the commercial world. Now we're going to start talking about these heavily regulated worlds. And aviation is a tremendous opportunity to do that. Healthcare is another tremendous opportunity to do that. We've got different healthcare systems across different government agencies, across different insurance agencies, and frankly, they don't speak to each other. And so finding some ways to get those connected up finding some way to protect that data. And then the last thing I'll say, because forgive me, the old lawyer in me gets going on these, is when is enough enough? You know, as I learn more and more about the cyber world, which is not my background, what has been impressed on me time and time again is that if somebody wants to get into your network, they're going to get into your network. You're never going to be ahead of somebody who's looking for a way to break in. So what should be the standard of care? And I think one of the issues that we're learning as we look at commercializing the cyber technology, we at the port just facilitating that, is what is the standard of care? If somebody breaks into your network and they steal protected health data or they steal the plans for a new aircraft or a new aircraft system, have you been negligent in what you've done or have you met the standard of care that you should have met? And that's something where we're really, really excited about the future of San Antonio. And you're listening to Cyber Talk Radio on 1200 WAI. I'm here with Jim Persbach, and we're talking about 
aviation, cybersecurity, and where Port San Antonio is headed over the next decade. So, Jim, with the port redevelopment, so you said it was an Air Force base before. It's now turned into an aviation and cybersecurity hub. Uh, What's built out there today, and where's the port headed over the next decade? What we've got right now on the aviation side is the majority of the footprint. You've got Boeing has their largest maintenance facility in the world, is right at Port San Antonio. You've got Standard Aero, Lockheed Martin commercial engines doing an awful lot of engine work. And so that takes up the lion's share of the work along the runway side. Back inside, you've got the Air Force and government operations, which are all back within the highly secured area. And then we have a couple of buildings right now that are home of the security companies. We've got the Roberson Building, which was the first building that we built back in 1998. It was never originally built to host cybersecurity companies. It was built to be swing office space as the aviation folks moved in and out. Turns out that we're about 100% occupied with cybersecurity companies in that building. What we're looking at doing is putting up new property. Most of the buildings that we have on the port property are about 1950s vintage. Some are pushing 100 years old. We've got a massive green space on the center of the property, and we think that ultimately we can fill that with about 500,000, 600,000 square feet of office space, fine-tuned for what cybersecurity companies want, great fiber backbones, great power supply, and frankly, start to build that ecosystem. It will be something that we think fits in with the work that's being done downtown something that's being done up at UTSA and with the other four universities that have the NSA certification. And we think really could solidify San Antonio as having an ecosystem that goes from the startups to the established companies, that goes from government sector to academics to commercializing the technology. So if I had a company and I wanted to move out there, how do I get in contact with the port to to go get started and talk with y'all? Easiest thing to do is just pick up the phone and give us a call. My direct line is 210-362-7812. But we're on the internet. We're at uh, www.portsanantonio.us. We have to differentiate ourselves from the port down there in Chile. But give us a call. Uh, Send us an email. We'd absolutely love to talk to you. So, and with the the port being a um, originally a government facility and now a redevelopment project, are there economic development funds available tied to um, setting up shop over there at the port? Well, there there absolutely are. We are a political subdivision of the state of Texas. Our board of directors is appointed by the city council, and our finances roll up through the city. So we have a couple of advantages that other properties just don't offer. Number one, if we own the building. Uh, even if we lease it out to somebody, the building is exempt from ad valorem taxation. And so if you're in that building, you're not going to pay a possessory leasehold interest tax on that. Number two, because we're not out there trying to make a profit, what we're trying to do is to redevelop this, to bring these types of jobs to San Antonio, and frankly to revitalize the southwest part of San Antonio. We're much more interested in what we can do to make a cyber company competitive, to make an aviation company competitive. And the last thing that we can do is as long as it's legal, ethical, and within our powers, we're going to do what we can to make the companies more competitive. One of the things we're very proud about is the work that we have done to coordinate and facilitate educational and workforce opportunities. 
So if, if we have some listeners that will uh, pick this up on AM, we're on in the evening. This could go all over the central U.S. We'll be on iTunes um, podcast if you want to listen that way as well. If someone was outside San Antonio and they're looking at starting a company or maybe they're at 25 or 50 employees and they're really looking at where do I go to get the talent to grow my business? Where do I build my business? Uh, what's the reason to go to look at Port San Antonio and to look at San Antonio as a city? Well, let, let me talk with San Antonio first. And I think the one competitive differentiator that we have is our talent. And it, it's something that is really, really impressive. Whenever we go out, we go around the country, we go around the world and we're talking to companies. The one thing they identify about San Antonio is the level of talent that we have and the level of workforce and education that we have. When we put our minds to something, we succeed at it. And what we say, let, let me take you back in history to 1995. When Kelly was closed, there was a perception that the workforce at Kelly was the worst in the DOD. It wasn't a true perception, but perception becomes reality. So when the private sector companies came here, the first thing we did was sit down with them as a community and say, what can we do to address this perception? What can we do to find a way to make this work for you? And what they said is it's all about the pipeline. We've got an industry that is aging. And candidly, ironically, we hear the same thing about cybersecurity. That a lot of these folks are aging. We want to start addressing these people at a young age. So we developed a program. It's called the Alamo Academies. There's now the Information Technology. It started as an aviation program to take students in their junior and senior year of high school, start giving them some hands-on experience with this industry, give them internships, and create a pipeline. On the aviation side, the vast majority of the companies that we have in San Antonio hire their entry-level workforces out of these programs. On the ITSA side, we did the same thing. Uh, some folks here in town helped us develop that program probably about eight, nine years ago now. And we've gotten students who are 18-year-old with security clearances working in the government. Some of those folks have gone out. They've already cycled out of the government. They're starting up their own companies. They're working with cybersecurity companies. And we have a pipeline that we can create where you know you come to San Antonio. You've got the government workforce that you can lean on. You've got the National Guard opportunities. And now you've got a pipeline of young people. And we think that's our biggest competitive differentiator. So as I was reading through your background before uh, you came on, I saw that you're also involved in uh, the CAST, this new high school, mm -hmm. um, and, a, and a thing here where ideally in San Antonio, maybe we change how high school education is done in America. Can you share a little bit more about the, the innovation going on there? Yeah, I sure can. And that's something we're very, very proud of, and the work that a lot of great people are doing as part of that Charles Budd initiative over there at HEB. One of the challenges with the education system in the United States is that it is divorced from reality. You go there and you learn math for the sake of learning math. You learn science for the sake of learning math, English for the sake of learning English. And there's no connectivity between them, and there's no real explanation of how this is ever going to work in my real life. I've got teenagers now. They ask the question, when am I going to use algebra in my life? So one of the concepts behind CAST is to try and marry it up with where the job opportunities are. Don't have a math class. Have a class that teaches people where these industry opportunities are and let them realize that algebra, English, everything else kind of ties in together. So it's an experiential learning experience as the educators say. Really what that means is what you do in the daily course of your business. 
you've got a project. You put people on that project. People are going to figure out how they're going to make that project succeed. They're going to do it collaboratively, and they're going to do it with the idea at the end of the day, we want this product out there. Well, that's what they're doing in CAS. They work on projects. Don't spend an hour doing math, then go spend an hour doing English. Do them all together. And it's something that we're pretty excited about. One of the greatest things about CAST and one of the greatest things about the Academy's program is what we have here in San Antonio is that industry connectivity. We want these young people not just to learn in the school, we want them to have real internships, real opportunities with these employers. We want these employers to tell us what the curriculum should look like. What is it that we should be teaching? If we do that, then we think we're going to do really, really well. Yeah, so uh, CAST, it stands for Center for Applied Science and Technology. That's right. Yeah. And this is uh, one of the the themes that uh, I see that really differentiates San Antonio from my perspective is, as we've been talking for the last 20 minutes, there's all of these public sector and private sector collaborations where you have industry working together with government and they're working together. And we're looking at an outcome and a goal and a target and everyone's working to make it successful, there's no, uh, not a lot of fighting going on. Mm -hmm. and, and that really is the, the history of San Antonio. It's one of the things that sometimes we're a little bit slow on the uptake, sometimes because we have to build some consensus. It takes us a while to figure out what the opportunity is in front of us. But once we get there, the one thing that companies find when they come to San Antonio, and certainly the people who've been here for a long time, is there is a sense that we're all in this together. And there is a sense that we're going to find a way to make everybody even more successful. Yeah. So um, as these uh, military missions uh, evolve um, and cyber becomes more of what the, the military is spending on, uh, maybe even aviation is more of, uh, as you look at the kind of merging between these two, as you talked about, that these flying data centers, these drones, this is all the merging of um, cyber technology with actual military technology. It sounds like San Antonio is very well positioned to be the leader on this um, over the next decade. What are the threats to San Antonio? Um, are there other cities that are uh, going after this and trying to build the same thing we are? Yeah, er every city out there uh, that has a workforce and that has the internet wants to be the next cybersecurity hub. If you go in there and you put out cyber city, if you put out cyber opportunities, you're going to get a Google search or a Bing search that's thousands of pages long because everybody wants to do that. I think there's a couple of things that we need to do. The, the first thing we need to do is never rest on our laurels. There is a tendency in any community effort, be it here, be it in any other city, to say, well, we've built that, we funded it, now we can move on to the next thing. We've solved that problem. And what cyber is teaching us, what IT is teaching us, is that things move at a rapid pace. The technology today is going to be replaced six months from now, and you've got to constantly be learning. The second thing is we've got a real challenge here in San Antonio, and it's across the industries. It's not just in cyber. We don't have a lot of headquarters operations. We don't have a lot of decision makers here. Even when you look at the 24th Air Force, the 25th Air Force, NSA, Texas, and we're absolutely thrilled and pleased with them, they're all still reporting up to other commands. The Pentagon, the NSA, companies here in San Antonio largely report to other operations outside the country. What we want to do is make sure that we're attracting all layers of the ecosystem here. 
We want to have not just a really, really good knowledge economy downtown. We want to have the best knowledge economy downtown. We want that knowledge economy to be so connected up with our mature industries that you can't cut one versus the other. In theory, you know, what you do is remote. You, Jungle Disk could be anywhere on the planet. You could serve your customers from anywhere on the planet. We want to provide that opportunity where you come to San Antonio, you've got access where you can collaborate with people who are going to find that next opportunity, that next opportunity for you to commercialize something, that next opportunity for you to grow. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio. I'm here with Jim Persbach from Port San Antonio. In the first half of the program, we've covered the history of Port San Antonio, what's going on, and how are cybersecurity industries evolving in the city. Uh, After the news and weather break at the bottom of the hour, we will be back to discuss the skills gap, training, and the evolution of the workforce. So if you're um, enlisted right now and you're listening and you're wondering, how do I go get a job in the private sector after I'm out? Or if you're uh, here graduating from high school or one of those Alamo academies in San Antonio right now wondering, how do I get a security clearance and work as a government contractor? Because maybe I'm, I'm not going to enlist for whatever reason or another. Uh, we will dive in and discuss those details. Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm here with Jim Persbach, and we're going to dive into the talent development, the skills gap, and how do you get that career in cybersecurity, either coming out of the military, into the private sector, or as a citizen here that wants to contract the government. So, Jim, we were discussing uh, during the break there Uh, There's a number of different types of programs. I want to go ahead and walk um, our listeners through some of these different options to them. uh, So uh, we'll go ahead and start on some of these um, offerings here in our local community colleges and programs. So one thing I hear frequently is as I'm coming out of the military, inside the military, I get certified in all sorts of different things, whether this is cyber security or health care or any of the rest of that. You You could be a nurse inside the military and none of that's recognized um, in the private sector. I think the same thing happens on the cybersecurity side. There's a number of these commercial sector certifications from a Cisco or SANS or other places um, that you don't get inside the military. Um, and so as I'm coming out to try to learn and recognize my skills, where do I go? Well, the first thing you need to do is take an honest look at yourself and figure out where you want to be, what your talent level is, what your background industry is. I think a lot of the folks who are coming out in San Antonio are going to have a cybersecurity background, probably a network security background. And the next thing they need to do is to figure out, am I looking at going into truly the commercial world or am I going to be a little bit more entrepreneurial? And we have opportunities for both of them. And frankly, I'd encourage people to do both of them. On the entrepreneurial side, it's downtown. It's geekdom. It's this test district. It's figure out where people are and find out ways where you can be inspired by the activity that's going on. On the rest of its certification, well, this is something you mentioned healthcare we saw in aviation for decades. In the military, you can work on an airplane. You don't need an FAA certification. You don't need an FAA license. But you may have 20 years of working on airplanes. You come out, the airlines don't have any room for you. They don't have a need for you because you don't have that piece of paper. You don't have that license from the FAA. 
we've got the programs here in San Antonio where they can certify you in those pro in those specialties. We can give you those certifications. What we can also do is we can provide both to the employers and to the employees a basis to maintain those certifications. And one of the things that we encourage our educational partners to do is let's not just check the box. Let's not just do that annual CISSP recertification course so that somebody can check the box, I did it, send in my check, my license is good, my cert certificate's good for another year. Let's do it where we can keep them cutting edge. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do with this new project tech that we have down at the port. We want to bring those education providers down there onto the property. We want to embed the continuing education, the recertification with the work that's going on. So that you're doing that CISSP recertification, let's make sure that it makes sense for what you're doing. Whether you're the employer or you're the employee, whether you're the entrepreneur or whether you're part of the effort. Yeah. So uh, the CISSP, for those listening that have not heard about that one, it's the Certified Information Security Systems Professional. Mm -hmm. um, I had one of those a long time ago. You have to do, like a, lawyers have to do continuing legal education or other professions like that. The CISSP, you have a minimum number of continuing education hours every year uh, that you need to go do. Mine is uh, long since lapsed because I didn't have those type of programs even working for a large employer uh, back at time at, at AT&T um, is when mine lapsed and there just wasn't uh, even there that type of program it sounds like so that with the port uh, you're helping even small companies put together the type of program so they can help their employees stay successful and stay on track with um, a complex certification like that one that's absolutely right one of the things that we can do because we are an economic development entity, we're not a real estate development company, is we want to have that continuing dialogue with the people on our property, with the customers. Then we can go back and we can have those communications with the educational institutions. We can be that external affairs department that a lot of small companies and even big companies just don't have the time for. So educate us on what will make you more competitive and let us go out and try and build a program around that. Yeah, and for that CISSP, if you're in the uh, 24th or 25th, and maybe you're going to come out, your your time is uh, served there. You've decided to um, head out to the, the civilian world, and you're going to go um, try to get that CISSP. There's now a program at the Open Cloud Academy, uh, GI Bill eligible, uh, that will put you through the specific training you need to be able to go take that test. You likely have the majority of the background knowledge uh, to go do it. Uh, but that, that will really help set you up to be successful, and that's a widely recognized uh, private sector certification. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. And the other thing that I encourage people to do, uh, one, one of the nice things about this job is you get the opportunity to talk to a lot of very bright people who are looking to further their career, is to encourage everybody to be thinking entrepreneurially. You know, uh, I tell this to the aviation people. Uh, a lot of the cyber people just seem to know it instinctively. If all you know is the technical aspect, if you're a very, very good technician, but that's all that you have, you may be able to go get a job, but your opportunities are going to be limited because there's always another technician out there who's as good as you or close to as good as you and who's willing to do the work for a little bit less money. There's always somebody new on the line. What we encourage people to do, and we encourage our companies to do this as well, is think entrepreneurially. Think about a way where you can be successful even if you're not the cheapest one in town, even if you're not the quickest one in the town. What is the value 
that you have that other folks don't have. And that's where we really like this knowledge economy that we have downtown, this tech district. We really like the fact that UTSA gets mentioned in the same breath as University of Maryland when it comes to advanced cybersecurity programs. And we love the fact that we've got these mature industries here. Let's start solving the hard problems. Let's start finding out ways that we can provide value to the 24th and 25th Air Force in NSA, Texas. If this is where that talent is, it's going to be an awful lot harder to move those agencies. If this is where the market is for aviation and aerospace, it's going to be an awful lot harder to move those companies. Conversely, and we like to think optimistically, it's going to be a lot easier to attract people. Every success story that we have here in San Antonio is another success waiting to come. So if I'm in the uh, high school here in San Antonio right now, or maybe I'm taking some classes um, at the, one of the Alamo area colleges, and I'm working on Cisco certifications, I'm uh, learning all of these things uh, about cybersecurity and computer programming, and I wanted to work as a government contractor. So there's all of these things that you go look in San Antonio job listings, and it says clearance required. Mm-hmm. So what's the, the process for a civilian to go through and, and overcome what feels like to many folks uh, an insurmountable hurdle to getting that first job working uh, with the government? Well, you, you've hit it on the head. I mean, it's the catch-22. You can't get a security clearance until you need one, and you can't have a need for one until you have a security clearance. The first thing you need to do is you got to keep your nose clean coming up. If this is a world that you think you're going to want to get into, And I would say to any young person listening, if you think you're going to pursue a career in cybersecurity, whether it's military or commercial, make make sure you understand they're going to be looking at everything you do. They're going to look at your social media postings. They're going to look at your criminal record. They're going to look at who your friends are. They're going to look at what you do. Make sure that you keep your nose clean. But look for programs like CAST. Look for programs like the Alamo Academies because that gives you the opportunity to get in with the employers that do have the ability to sponsor you for a security clearance. They do have the ability to get you in and get you over that first hurdle. The ITSA Academy, Alamo Academies, number of those students, 17, 18 year old, have gotten their clearances. They've gotten that ticket. And once you have that ticket, it's with you for the rest of your life. That's your opportunity. When you see a posting that says, need somebody with a secret clearance, need somebody with a top secret clearance, you've got it, you're 19, 20 years old, that's a job opportunity that's available for you that isn't available for somebody else. So when you you talk about kind of keeping your nose clean, this is is you're you're going and and growing up as a kid, um, every choice you make in life opens some doors for you and potentially some choices you make will close doors. So um, this is as I talk about in the commercial sector, there's um, folks where you might have a say a, a, a felony DWI you decided to get three of them or you were recklessly driving while you got one um, in the commercial sector some of those things will um, allow you to still get roles the commercial sector looks at what the uh, folks call a crime of moral turpitude mm-hmm. and maybe even a misdemeanor crime of moral turpitude will get you out of being able to do a cybersecurity job uh, so be thoughtful about those things as you're out there as a, a young student or a kid growing up or even as as an adult, um, some of those choices you made in life may or have closed some doors uh, here for you. Um, so be thoughtful out there for, for those uh, young folks listening. And the same thing, I mean, inside the military, uh, they have their own judicial process there. And um, hopefully the, uh, the folks that are enlisted are not doing those things either. So 
as we um, look at, so you have these um, Alamo Academy programs uh, that can help you go through to get a clearance as a, a private sector folks. Uh, do you need a clearance to work? It's, it's, we talk cybersecurity, and we're talking about that on this program all the time, but um, as we've got these flying data centers, if you're working in the, the avionics and, and aeronautics piece, are you needing a clearance there as well? It, it would absolutely help if you have it, or at least if you have the eligibility for it. There, there's a couple things. Uh, technically, if you're working on a commercial airplane or commercial airplane system, you should not require a security clearance because by virtue of the fact that it's in the commercial market, it's not something that should be a national secret. However, we have what's called the International Traffic and Arms Regulations. We've got the Department of State and the Department of Commerce Export Control Regulations. And so having the ability to understand that if you're working on a very complex avionics system, a very complex guidance system, that guidance system is probably going to be considered a level of national security by the government. So you're going to want to make sure that you've got the ability to pass a background clearance. It may not get you a secret clearance, it may not get you a top secret clearance, but you're certainly going to have a background requirement. They're going to want to know who you are. They're going to want to make sure they can trust you. Yeah. So you're listening to Cyber Talk Radio on 1200 WAI. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, here with Jim Persbach from Port San Antonio, and we're talking about skills and career development and going from uh, working enlisted out to the commercial sector and the um, San Antonio, uh, just growing up here and, and learning to how to get that cybersecurity job, whether it's for the private sector or uh, for a military contract. So um, out at the, the port, you, you have a number of companies out there. They're hiring. Um, is there a, a port career fair, jobs board, or, or any of the things specifically to the port that folks should be looking about? Yes, they should. Check out our websites, www.portsanantonio.us. And we have a who's hiring listing on there, which is everybody at the port who has a publicly posted job opportunity. They're going to put it on that website. Keep an eye on what we're doing down there. Keep an eye on our further development as we start building our new building, as we start building out this new cyber industry. We think there is going to be some tremendous opportunities. And frankly, we want to know what the level of talent is. When we're out there marketing San Antonio to prospective companies, when we're talking to entrepreneurs or venture capital about why they should put an operation in San Antonio, we want to know what the level of talent is here. We don't want to just say, hey, we're great, we know cyber. We want to break it down. We want to say this is the number of people with security clearances. This is the number of people that have the advanced certifications. This is the number of people with degrees. And so you mentioned degree programs, and as we were talking at passing, you mentioned the UTSA, kind mm -hmm. of mentioned with the University of Maryland, also mentioned with this other university, Carnegie Mellon, on a kind of regular basis. It's one of the, the top five cyber programs in the nation. Mm -hmm. Uh, can you share a little bit for our audience, if you're thinking now you're at the Alamo Colleges and you're like, man, I really want to go get that bachelor's or master's in information technology and cybersecurity specifically, uh, what is that program at UTSA? The, the program, and I, you can probably speak to the details of that program far better than I can do, but they do have a program in cybersecurity. Um, it, it's a program that is getting great levels of attention both for the technical side and the management side of those programs, but it's a very competitive program to get into. Now, the nice thing about San Antonio is there are five post-secondary institutions in this town that all have the NSA Certification of Excellence. 
doesn't mean that you're going to come out and necessarily get a job with the NSA or the government, but it means that those programs have passed muster, that the NSA says these are programs that meet the minimum standards that we would look for if we were going to bring somebody on board. The fact that we have across the board that level of program we think is really exciting. You've got institutions like Our Lady of the Lake University, which may not be held in the same breath as UTSA's program, but is a program that is available for people who are currently working. If you're down there at the 24th or 25th Air Force right now, and you want to work on your bachelor's degree or you want to work on your graduate degree, and you're going to have to do it on a part-time basis, and you want to do it with an institution that's just down the street, it's there. There's St. Mary's University. There's Texas A&M San Antonio, which is working on the Internet of Things and cybersecurity and manufacturing, which is something that we're very, very excited about. What we look at, and one of the things we market about San Antonio, is you've got that UTSA program, which for a cybersecurity network professional is as good as anybody on this planet. But that doesn't mean that's the only game in town. And we want to be much bigger than that. We want to be an ecosystem across the board. Yeah, and this is uh, one of the topics I have conversations with about frequently is that is you're, uh, in San Antonio, we see these studies where we're attracting more millennials than ever. Um, on the other hand, I talk to uh, university um, staff and the, the kids that are graduating from those programs are still uh, leaving San Antonio to go somewhere else for an opportunity. It's a, you have uh, schools like Trinity where I think more than half the graduates um, from Trinity now, that they bring a lot of people into San Antonio from all over the world. Um, but more than half the folks that graduate from Trinity are, are gone and out of San Antonio with 90 days of graduation. Um, is the port doing anything, as you mentioned, these programs to link some of the, the students graduating with opportunities here in San Antonio? Yes. Uh, we're doing two things. One, we're going to do all the right stuff in terms of providing those opportunities and talking about it. But there's a bigger challenge that we're facing in San Antonio. And I know you as an employer probably have this challenge. We think of ourselves as being a labor market unto ourselves. And so a lot of times, and you'll see it in our marketing material, you'll see it in EDF's marketing material. A cybersecurity professional's wages in San Antonio are 30% lower than they are in Washington, D.C. The challenge with that is that if you've got the talent, well, why not go to Washington, D.C.? Why not go somewhere else? We're really competing on a national market. And this is where we think our Project Tech is really part of the solution to that. At the end of the day, a business has to make money. You've got to put that business case together. And the labor rates are going to be part of it. If we can find a way to make the facilities cost of that equation as low as it can possibly be and make it competitive, then that allows the employer to put more money into recruiting and retaining the talent that they have. That makes you more successful. And that's one of the things that we're looking at doing with this concept. When we are looking at ways to match things up and say make sure that we have that talent across the ecosystem, we're not just a landlord that says you come in you open an office on our property, we think about you once a month when rent is due, we think about you every day. We want this opportunity to be successful, not just for the port, but for San Antonio. So as you mentioned uh, facilities costs for a minute. I don't know how much you guys go into publishing your rates, but I was reading an article um, the last couple of months about uh, Palo Alto. So there's a, I've been thinking mm -hmm. we've been talking about the cyber and government contractors. Palantir is a major employer in the Palo Alto area. And uh, they were um, 
mentioned in this article, they're up to paying $97 a foot on a triple net lease in Palo Alto right now to get space. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that compare to San Antonio? I don't know if you publish your rates specifically, but just talking generally across the market if you can't. I, I can tell you this. Um, we're probably at least a third of that price in San Antonio. And, and candidly, we're trying to get that number even lower. What you have in a community like Palo Alto, what you have in a community like D.C., is tremendous demand for facilities, and that demand is going to drive the price up. What we want to do is we want to build that ecosystem. We're not in this because we want to maximize our net return on the property. The net return that we're interested in as a community is that we build up a sufficiently vital cybersecurity market so that we don't need to be out there. You know, the folks in Silicon Valley are not out hitting the bricks across the United States and across the planet saying, we want you to move to Silicon Valley. The folks in Manhattan are not going around to the investment bankers of the world saying, we want you to move to Midtown Manhattan. We want San Antonio to get to that level. And getting to that level, frankly, means we've got to be competitive, too. We hear from all the time, small businesses, entrepreneurial businesses starting up, they're going to be very, very aggressive about finding ways to capture business. You're going to do something creative. You're going to do deals. You're going to do deals that, frankly, don't make long-term sustainable business sense, but it proves your mettle. It proves that you know what you're doing. That's where we are in San Antonio right now. We know we're great. We need to prove to the rest of the world that we're great. So um, if you're a new entrepreneurial business starting up and you're uh, talking to the port, are y'all on a five-year kind of traditional commercial leases or are there ways for folks to get started there uh, with something coming out of the gate with a newer business? We want to talk to everybody. We, we're going to take the rule book and we're going to rip it up. Now, there's some things we can't rip up. There, there are certain basic real estate principles and there are certain basic legal principles that we have to follow. But if you're a new business, we want to talk to you. If you're a startup, we want to talk to you. If you're an established business that needs space, but you may not need space for a five-year lease term, we want to talk to you. Because what we're trying to do is be a place that allows us to foster this type of development. Same thing that's going on in the tech district downtown, same thing that's going on with the R&D industry up at UTSA and A&M San Antonio. Yeah. So um, out there near the, the port as well, so there's um, the, the areas, there's a big Microsoft data center, there's um, some big data centers that are, I think, owned by who knows who, because mm-hmm. they don't really say who's on the outside of them. Um, so how does the port tie into these data center jobs or data center jobs, cybersecurity jobs? This is just one, I think, to, to help um, folks and maybe our listening audience understand a little bit more about all those things they've heard going in on that side of town. Well, what we have, and some of it is complicated by the fact that, candidly, a lot of this we don't know and we don't want to know in terms of what the connectivity is between those. But, but here's what I can tell you. What we are seeing is that there are three different cyber markets, and there are three different cyber markets here in San Antonio. There is a R&D-focused market. And we're seeing an awful lot of that up in the northwest side of town. It's a very academic-driven side. It's driven by federal grants. It's driven by education-type grants. 
there is a knowledge-based entrepreneurial startup economy, and that's right here on Houston Street. That's where we're seeing that kind of naturally evolve to. And then there is a part of the cyber world that really doesn't want people to know too much about them, that part of their value proposition is they're a little bit off the beaten path. And that's what we're seeing down on the southwest side of San Antonio. What the port offers is we're not a fully restricted facility to get onto, but you really have to know where you're going to get down there. You don't just go passing through the port. So for somebody who wants to have a better sense of not having a lot of traffic around them, we provide that value proposition. For somebody who wants to be right next to their government customer or right next to their aviation customer, we provide that value proposition. From where we're building Project Tech, you can walk to the 24th Air Force, you can walk to the aviation customers. Wouldn't recommend it in August, but you can do it. For somebody who wants the ability to build a facility that is going to be very easily skiffable, for somebody who wants to build a facility that's going to have no problem with drawing a lot of electricity to, CPS Energy tells us we can put a 20 megawatt user on our property tomorrow and not have a problem. Uh, we offer that value proposition. Yeah, and for, for those listening um, that know what 20 megawatts is, um, they're probably excited about that. For those that don't, that's a, enough electricity to power more than 20,000 servers. Um, if you think of, you've seen those data center pictures, you can see a big cabinet uh, full. That would be um, enough. Each cabinet might hold 20 servers. So if you're thinking 20,000 servers, um, that could be a thousand cabinets, uh, maybe more than that even. So um, that's a, a lot of uh, good things going on out there at the port. Um, would love uh, to uh, have you back on again in the future as we uh, get that next um, real big building um, out there going and um, we can talk in more detail about what is a skiff. Um, as you mentioned that here as we uh, reach our closing. So we had a Jim on from the port this week. Uh, you'll be able to um, listen to this in a rebroadcast um, after Tuesday, and uh, it's available on iTunes or through our website at www.cybertalkradio.com.